0: It is good to be in the house today, and we have been talking about Jesus, God being the same yesterday, today, and forever, and today is no different. Amen? We're going to get into that in a second. I want to welcome all those, again, watching online, Mountaineer Recovery Center, Fort Dietrich Fire Department, all over the place, really places all over the country, joining us, church online. Why don't you welcome them one more time? It's great. Berkeley Springs, I'm excited to be with you this morning as well. Church growing there in Berkeley Springs. We're excited about that. Hey, I need to say something before we get into the sermon. We, um, our, this next Connect Group season starts in May, and, and I highly recommend you sign up for a Connect Group. It's, it's one of the ways we grow together. But I, I wanted to make a little um, disclaimer we we if you come to this church very long, you, you already probably recognize we don't collect the offering. There's nobody that's going to walk by you with a offering plate and kind of bump you the second time. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like come on, man. Uh, we just have a different philosophy about finances. You don't hear me preach on it a lot. Uh, we don't we don't strong arm offerings. We just don't do things like that we, um, we believe that generosity should not just be towards the church, but from the church. Amen. So, um, so many of you have probably heard of Dave Ramsey and financial peace university and your palms are already sweaty because you're going to have to count every dollar. You're like, Oh my gosh, he's going to make us budget. Yes. But I was approached last year by a gentleman in the church who, uh, who's taught this a bunch and. He's done well financially. He said, Chris, we should give all this away. We should just give it away. And he said, look, we don't even have to talk about generosity. That'll, that's like a byproduct of being in a relationship with God. He said, I want people to be able to go on vacation this year. I want them to be able to put their head down in bed and not have to worry about finances. I want them to be able to save for retirement, save for their kids' college. I, want them, I don't want them to have to worry about finances all the time. That's a good idea. And so if you've signed up for one of those courses in the past, now it's about $130 to sign up to take one of those courses. So in May, we're just going to give it all away. And and here's what I want you to know about that. There'll be several, Skip just told you, there'll be several different connect groups you can be a part of. I'll be preaching on finances. Listen, don't stay home. I'm not going to be like, you're not giving enough to the church. You're not going to hear me say that. We're going to just look into God's word and figure out how to handle money. Is that, is that is that all right? Just like we do marriages, just like we do worry, just like, well, maybe I'll preach on it today. <laughs> Seems like I got some support. <clears throat> so you can join a connect group that just, just, uh, goes over the sermon that was preached. You can join. If you've got young kids and you're trying to figure out the best way to teach them about money, you can join a connect group that, that you'll walk through that for six weeks about how to teach kids about money. Uh, if you're maybe, maybe, maybe you've got all the money in the world, raise your hand. Like to, okay. A few of you here, I'll see you. I'll see you after you want to go to lunch. Like I'm free. Uh, if, if you're financially stable and and you've done well, and you're trying to figure out how to leave a legacy, there's going to be a group, uh, talking about that. Like, I don't know about you, but I want the gospel to go forward. Not just while I'm alive, but after I'm dead. Amen. And then, and then if you do uh, want to go through the, the Financial Peace University part of it, it's going to be available. So you'll be able to log into a website. Uh, you could get discounts off of wills being made. You, I mean, there's a pile of apps you can put on your phone. You can, you can do a budget app on your phone. I mean, all this stuff, and it's going to be free. So here's what I want you to do. Like, it, like if you're at the age where you've got adult kids and, and you don't want them to struggle, just invite them. Listen, we're not, this isn't bait and switch. We're not trying to just get people to come to the church. If they only want to, if they only want to come for the 10 weeks, just invite them. My heart and prayer is, is that people outside of these walls will figure out that the church doesn't talk about generosity only one way. And so if you've got neighbors across the street that get on your nerves, invite them. Just say, hey man, my church is giving something away. Thought you'd like to check into it. So, um, I do want to say, if you can, if you consistently give here, you're giving it away Amen. and, and we want to, we want to bless the community with that. And so, uh, you'll be hearing more and more about that, but I didn't look any time church starts talking about finances, everybody's like, man, I, I mean, I think I'm feeling bad. I won't be able to go next week. And so your palms get sweaty. Everybody gets nervous. The, the, you don't need to do that. Uh, we're going to walk through this together and we're going to honor God with what he gave us. That's it. Amen? Amen. Say amen if you believe that. Say, oh my, if this is your first Sunday. Hopefully, it just took the nervousness out a little bit. This is our third week in the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're going to, we talked about yesterday, last week, we talked about how God is the same in all of your yesterdays, and you can look back. Today, we're going to talk about today, how he's the same today, yesterday, today, and forever, and how it matters today that God doesn't change. It's going to matter today. What you do today depends on God not changing. Amen? So once you're standing stand to your feet one more time. We're going to read Acts, two little sections in Acts, Acts chapter 1 and a little bit in Acts chapter 2. And then we're going to just walk down through this train of thought. Man, I believe this is so important. This is so important today, so lean in with me a little bit. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1, in his, in the first book, Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he'd given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them over period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy spirit. Not many days from now, then we're going to jump down to Acts chapter two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like that of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us today. Lord, we pray today that we'd leave more confident than when we showed up, that you are the same. The change is not in you, in you. It's not your consistent and that we can have confidence in that. Change the way we think, Lord, today because we looked into your word. Thank you for this moment. We pray that we'd honor you with it in Christ's name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. there's been times in my life where I've had a pretty rough couple of months, but I, it, nothing compares to what we're reading about. From the Passover celebration to Pentecost is 50 days. Let's say a month and a half. There was more chaos in this 50 days we're talking about than anything I can imagine. Imagine being one of the disciples, we talked about this the last couple of weeks, imagine being one of the disciples that spent the last three or so years with Jesus, walking around, watching him do miracle after miracle, healing people, teaching like no one had ever heard, actually coming to the place where you're proclaiming that he is the son of God. Then to be with him in the garden of Gethsemane when he's arrested, watching him arrested, knowing that he was being beat beyond recognition, we know to be crucified on a cross like a common criminal and then put in a borrowed tomb only three days later to rise from the dead. How many of you know that's not like a normal week? What happened to you last week? I don't know, I was following a guy around that I believe with God, they killed him and now he's alive. If you told that to some of your friends, they'd be like, have you stopped all your medication? (laughs) Like, did you do that all at once? We read 2,000 years later like it's like, oh yeah, that was just a day in the life of the disciples. It was chaos. We talked the other week about them locking themselves in the room for fear of the Jews. I mean, it's chaotic. And now we get to Acts and Luke is uh, chronicling all the stuff that happens in the first century church. So he starts... He starts at Jesus' last instructions of the disciples. And he says that he had appeared to them over 40 days. So 40 days after he he resurrects. So 40 days. So that gives us around, after he ascends into heaven, we got around 7, 10 days. Let's give or take a few. And then the day of Pentecost, which we read in Acts chapter 2. So about 50 days, Jesus, give or take a few, is revealing himself over 40 and then, and then he's got. There's a period of time, small window of time before the Holy Spirit is poured out. Jesus instructs the disciples right before he literally before he ascends into heaven. Don't leave Jerusalem. Stay and wait. And so, they stay and wait. Holy Spirit's poured out. Jesus before he was crucified, actually a good bit before that I was talking about worry. How many of you don't raise your hand? How many of you are just a little bit the anxious type? Just give me a little like, you know what I mean? I, I used to explain it to my kids like anxiety. I used to try to explain it to them like a person with no education would explain it to them. They'd say, yeah, but what about, what about this could happen? And I would say, Is it happening? And they'll be forced to say, well, no, it's not happening. And then I would say, I'm not going to worry about something that is not currently happening. Man, I just helped everybody in the building and everybody online. If it's not happening currently, why would I worry about it? Now, I'm a totally different personality. I'm a personality that's like, man, I ain't got time to worry about things. I got to do what I got to do right now. Amen. I got some support over here. So that's my take, so I was trying to teach my kids that. Like, why would you worry about something that's not happening? Well, I think we found out today that the, gov- the government, or not today, but this year, the government told us that UFOs were real. Yeah. Do you know how much that anxiety co- created? Like like a third of the, of the, of the country just went, oh, they could land. To which I respond, are they currently like in your yard? No. Why are you worried about it? Matthew records Jesus teaching that we shouldn't worry about tomorrow because today has enough trouble. Now, now I think that statement is a little bit funny because Jesus is saying You will have enough to worry about today. (laughs) You'll have enough trouble today to take up your time. So if you don't take care of what's today and you worry about tomorrow, it doesn't help you today. Matter of fact, let me just read you the way he says it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, therefore, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. He said you can be anxious when you get there. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He says who can add to themselves, to their lives a day by worry? Really, and then, if you look into then if you look at how worry affects the body, how worry- how anxiety affects the body, it actually removes days from your life, yeah, actually like the next time you look at somebody and you're upset because they're not worrying about it, remind yourself that they're going to live longer than you. I can't believe they're not upset about this, and then remind yourself. They're actually going to be here longer than me. So anxiety about the future. It grips all of us at some point in time. Anxiety about what's going to happen, what could happen. And that, that thought process of constantly worrying about what could happen detracts from what is happening in our lives. Now, let me, let me make a caveat here. God is not telling you not to plan. No, there's plenty of scriptures in, in the Bible that says count the cost. Weigh it out. Make sure it's a good idea. Get counsel. All this stuff. God, there's the wisdom in the counsel of many. What are we counseling about? We're counseling about what's going to happen. Should we do this? Should we not do this? But, but planning is not so you can put things into place to worry about them. Planning is to reduce worry. Amen? So, don't make a bunch of plans and then worry about the plans. They're designed... To keep you from, okay, we planned it out so that dictates what we do today. Amen? So if I've got a plan, I know the step today so I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I just have to do what I'd have to do today. Jesus gave the disciples a plan. He says, this is what I want you to do and this is what's going to happen. That sounds like a plan to me. Okay. So worry. Worry says, don't worry about the future, only be concerned about today. You can make plans, but plans are to reduce your anxiety so that you can focus on what God has called you to do today. Now, here's the issue with today. All we know, all we know is what we are currently experiencing and what has been experienced. Everybody following me? That's all we know. I cannot predict the future, and I don't hang around people who try. So... So all I know is what is happening today and what has happened. It's called, it's called reputation with people. And and we have, I don't know about you, have you ever hired somebody on reputation? I hope. You're like, yeah, I got this person to build my house. Well, what kind of reputation do they have? I don't know. They were the cheapest ones. Yeah, I've worked on some houses like that. you realize our whole society is built on reputation now. Think about this. When you walk into target and you look at a coffee maker, are you like me? Do you instantly pull out your phone and go to Amazon? Wouldn't it be easier if target had these little digital signs under each coffee maker that said four and a half stars, 32,000 reviews. Wouldn't it be easy? And then you look at the coffee maker next to it and it says 500 reviews, two stars. And you're going, why do they even sell that one? (laughs) Everything we do is based on reputation. So Amazon actually created this reputation database. Think about it. We we live in a reputation database world. Like if you're going to, the first thing you do if you're going to hire somebody is you go to Google and you find out, okay, what's their reputation with people that I don't even know? We have a reputation based commerce where, okay, if I'm going to buy this, I want to know that multiple thousands of people have used that piece of equipment and it's worked for them. So I think there's some weird things that happen now outside of that. Like, like we'll go to, we'll go to a dealership and we'll buy a car after driving it two or three minutes. Why? That's like getting married after two or three minutes. You're stuck with that thing for at least five years. I saw a couple of people going, boy, you're telling me. So so we get in a car and we drive around with a guy whose main goal in life is to make sure we buy it. And after two or three minutes of driving around the car, We will go and commit to six, seven years with a house payment. Why? Because of the reputation. Because my dad bought Fords, right? Because of the reputation. So we'll do that with all kinds of things in our life. We'll go to the store... Like when's the last time you went to the store and bought a toaster or said, can I take this home, and run a couple hundred loaves of bread through it just to make sure this thing's going to work. We don't do that. We want, we go on the reputation. That's a, that's a good, solid company. I know I can trust that one. That one's made in America. I have made a metal. I know we're not going to throw that one away. That's a good reputation because when we're making decisions for today, reputation is all that we've got. All we have is history to go on because the future hasn't happened yet. So all we have is who God has been to prove who he will be. That's all we have to go on today. Me and you in here today, all we have to go on is the millennia of God's reputation to trust him for what I need today to get me to where he wants me to be tomorrow. That's it. That's all we've got to go on. So that's why it's important. The Bible says things like his love endures. It doesn't change. Psalm 117, praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples, for great is his, what's that? Great. I'm reading Great is his faithfulness, faithfulness of the Lord. Wait, 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 go back, go back. For great is his, what's the word right before love? Steadfastness. Okay. Uh, Can I be honest with you right now? I don't love steadfastly. I love emotionally. Anybody else in the building? Come on, just lean into me a little bit because my love is, is typically dictated by circumstances. At least my expression of it. I wish I could say different. But I think probably most people in here are like me where if you get a little torqued off at work, your love looks different when you get home. Just, you you don't leave me up here hanging. Come on, there's people in Berkeley Springs right now that I know when you have a bad day at work, you love different when you walk in the door at six o'clock. Everything all right, honey? Yeah! The Bible says God's never had one of those days. He's never had a, I've had such a bad day that I can't love you the way I did yesterday. Because his love through every circumstance, through every single issue, through every repeated sin in your life, the Bible says his love's steadfast unwavering. It never changes over and over and over all the hell we could raise. God's love stays steadfast. Oh, we got's history to go on. We got the history of his love being steadfast, that his faithfulness endures so as far back as I can look in my current circumstances, as far forward as I can look, the history between humanity and God is that his love has been steadfast and his faithfulness has never wavered. Amen. That's the history that we walk with. That's the reputation. Psalms 136, 1, give thanks to the Lord for his good. His love endures forever. Romans eight thirty eight. And 39, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present. Are you hearing this? Present or even things that come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is immensely forever consistent. Reputation matters. So here we are. Here's the disciples. They've been in a whirlwind. We talked a couple of weeks ago where Jesus walks through a locked door to prove to Thomas that he hadn't changed. Walks through a locked door. He says they're locking themselves in rooms for fear of the Jews, and he walks through the locked door and he says, "Thomas, I'm the same. Put your hand in my side. Touch the nails, nail holes in my hands. I'm the same, Thomas." Thomas' response was, responsible, "says My Lord and my God, you haven't changed." He realized that day. And then the Bible says over 40 days, Jesus keeps appearing to people, not to show them he's changed, but to show them he's the same. He keeps appearing and appearing and appearing. It says he appeared to tons of people over and over, over. We, we, know, we know that he appears to the disciples again. Um, when they're fishing, they go back to fishing and they fish all night, catch nothing. Bible says at the crack of dawn, they're coming up to the shore and they hear somebody on the seashore say, Hey, do it again. I think I've preached this before here. I can't help but think Peter went, I've heard those words before. He had a history with Jesus. The first time Jesus called him, he was on a shore. And Jesus stepped into his boat to finish preaching and pushed out. And Peter fished all night and had caught nothing. He was tired and sick. And he was, did not want to hear a preacher that morning. I can guarantee it. Okay, Jesus, make it short. Gets in the boat with Peter. They push off from the shore. He finishes teaching. He looks over at Peter. He says, hey, why don't you throw it out again? He said, man, we fished all night throws it out, pulling so much fish they need help with another boat to pull it in. Now fast forward years later, and Jesus has died and resurrected, and the same scenario has happened. Jesus is saying, I haven't changed. I still know where the fish are. I haven't changed. The Bible says they go up on the shore, Jesus fixes them breakfast, and he looks at Peter and he says, hey, man, do you love me? He does it three times, and that's a whole nother deal do you love me? I haven't changed. Do you love me still? I haven't changed. Do you love me still? I haven't changed. Jesus is solidifying his reputation with the disciples after all this chaos has happened. Do you know when the best time for God to solidify his reputation with you is when your life is in chaos? Not when everything is going well, but when all hell is breaking loose in your life and you don't know where to go. To look back and say the same God that delivered everybody before me as far back as you can look. Now, the idea that he could even remotely fail is absurd. So, that impacts today, doesn't it? That impacts what you do today, it impacts what you think it impacts how you act. It impacts how you treat others. Watch this. The disciples, the disciples, I think I think the ascension of Christ sealed the deal for them. <laughs> Have you ever been in a spot where you're like, I'll do what you want, Lord, but you've got to show me something else? You know, old-time Christians talk about putting out the fleece like Gideon. You know, like, okay, I want to trust you, but... If you could get the waitress to come over and quote me a Bible verse, and it could be the exact verse that I read this morning. And then if all the lights in the restaurant shut off, then I'll believe that that's what you want me to do. (laughs) And every time God meets the ridiculousness, you, you, you up it one more time. I think the ascension sealed it for the disciples. Here's why I think that. They acted differently after the ascension. Watch, before the the ascension, Jesus is revealing himself over and over again. Thomas is like, man, I touched him. Okay, I'm I'm in this. Like, all right, all right. But before the ascension, they went back to fishing. Before the ascension, they went back to fishing. After the ascension, they're appointing new leaders. Something in their mind clicked between, between Jesus resurrecting and revealing himself and the ascension, when, when, now listen, can we be honest? Jesus resurrected. Nobody actually witnessed him coming out of the tomb, but they knew he resurrected. And I'm sure all kinds of things were swirling around in their heads, but they were standing in front of him when he ascended into heaven. Oh, come on. Now I know that David Blaine guy or whatever can do that little thing where he, where he elevates himself like six inches. Can you imagine the God of all creation standing in front of you saying, hey, go to Jerusalem and wait, and I'm going to do you with power, and you just wait until it happens, and then him go. I don't know what kind of noise it made. I just put that one with it. And, and he just. I would looked over at Thomas, and I'd have been like. This changes things. We were fishing the other day, acting like everything was going back to normal. But Jesus is the same miracle worker today that he was two years ago, that he was a year ago, that he was a month ago. And I just watched that dude jump into the clouds. And after the ascension, Luke says, Luke records that he tells them this in one of his last meetings with him stay in Jerusalem and wait. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Right before the ascension, Jesus says, Go into all the world and make disciples. And teaching them everything I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you always. He ascends. Then the Bible says they go to the upper room, and they they appoint a new leader, not a replacement for Jesus, but a replacement for Judas. You remember Judas, the guy that sold Jesus out, the guy that came to the Last Supper, the guy that the guy that showed up, the guy that showed up in the Garden of Gethsemane with the whole with the whole crew with them to arrest Jesus, the, the guy that kills himself after Jesus is arrested. We started out with 12, now we got 11. We should find another dude. This is a stark mindset shift from fishing. You go back to your old job, it's like Jesus was never around. You start appointing new leaders, it means you believe in the future. It matters what you believe about God today. I'm not going to waste my time in pointing Matthias if Jesus is not the same. You read through Acts chapter one, it says they got everybody together. And Peter was like, hey man, we got to come up with another person. This thing's about ready to get real. God has commanded us to go into all the world, make disciples. We gotta find somebody else. Let's draw straws, let's do whatever we gotta do, let's get another person in here. Because the God of all the universe has never changed. We're more convinced of that than ever before. And now we've got a mission and a and a motivation, and now we're gonna go forward, and He's promised us. So what do we gotta do today? We gotta find another God to replace Judas. So now the disciples are between reputation and future promise. And what they do today matters. They're between reputation and a future promise. And what they do today matters. Can I tell you this? I don't care what promise God has put in your head. If you don't trust him today. Berkeley Springs said, amen, that's fine. <laughs> I don't care what you believe in the future. If it doesn't impact today, there is no future. Amen? The thing that changed the disciples after the ascension was that they woke up acting like Jesus had ascended. They woke up acting like he had died, resurrected, forgiven them of their sins, and then ascended into heaven. And they were like, listen, he told us to stay here and pray. How long? I don't know. Don't you hate it when he doesn't give you a timeline? You know, because a few days in this culture is different than a few days in other cultures. I've been in other cultures where they say, hey, it's right over there, six miles later. We're not there yet? They pointed to it like I could see it. You go to Jerusalem, don't leave Jerusalem. You just stay there and wait. Lord, there's a lot of dangerous people in Jerusalem that are looking for us right now. I don't know if this is a good idea. I don't know if you stay And wait, what is the tough thing he's asking you to do today that you've been reluctant to trust his reputation? What's the tough thing he's asking you to do? Who's the tough person he's asking you to forgive? What's the, what's the tough thing he's asking you to do today where you're standing in between all your future hopes and all of God's perfect reputation? And he's going, in light of all this stuff, this is what I want you to do today. The Bible's full of today. How we treat people that we work with, how we treat our neighbors, how we handle our money, how we treat our kids. What what, When it doesn't go our way, how we respond. All these, how we treat our enemies. The Bible is full of today. And so we're all living in this part where it's God's perfect reputation and our hope for tomorrow. And it hinges. Do I trust him today? Do I trust him today through the pain of the heartbreak? Do I trust him today through the pain of failure? Do I trust him today through the pain of all my ideas didn't work? Did I, do I trust him today because I don't, uh, it's, it's been a month since I've had, anybody's even checked on me. Do, do I trust him today because of, even though the marriage is failing, do I trust him today because I can't, I, I, nobody will listen. Do I keep trusting him? And all I can tell you is as far back as you can look, he's been perfect as far back as a human could imagine god has not failed as far back you want to pull the amazon you want to pull the amazon five stars up on god go for it all you're going to find is the same yesterday today and forever Today, he's the same God who delivered people from Egypt. He's the same God that, that split the Red Sea. He's the same God that caused him to walk across on dry ground, the, the Jordan on dry ground. He's the same God that gave him the land. He's the same God that promoted. He's the same God that made a way. He's the same God that raised Lazarus from the dead. He's the same God that Jesus raised him. He's the same. So all of a sudden... We have to ask ourselves, we're acting like he's the same. Is what I'm doing today in light of him not changing? Am I loving people because he He's always loved me. Am I treating people like this because he's always been faithful to me? Am I, am, I, am I doing what he's asked me to do because he's always been the same? And I'm telling you right now, the disciples were so convinced. They said, we'll hole up in this upper room until something happens. Because here's what God's promises are to you. If you do this today, I'll do this tomorrow. Oh, man. Sometimes I want tomorrow without today. You ever find yourself that way? I remember when we, when my kids were growing up, they would say stuff like, man, I can't wait. I can't wait till vacation. And I look at them and say, Hey man, don't wish your life away. Don't wish your life away. We got today right here. It might not look like a vacation and I may make you take the trash out today. But as American, the American church is always looking for something down the road. That is already promised if we live today. He said, if you will stay in Jerusalem and wait, you will be in in a few days, you'll be endued with power on high. Now, here's the thing. There's no, there's no Way they could have calculated what that would even mean or look like or the ramifications of it. There's nothing in their history where they could say, oh, I know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit looks like. Yeah, my cousin got it last week. It was great. There's no way they could have even had any reference point for what Jesus was talking about. But they were convinced that his promise in the future was enough to do what he asked them to do today. So here we are with a perfect history of God and what he's asked us to, to do today and his promise of tomorrow. So here's the way I started praying. God, you've been so faithful to me. And there's no reason for me to expect you'll be anything different. In the difficult times of my life, when, when me and my wife would stand in the middle of the house and pray, I would say, God, you've been good to us. And there's no reason for, expect, for me to expect you'll be anything different. No reason to think God will not be good to me. Can I point to anything in my past that God has not been faithful in? So he says, You say, you do what I asked you to do today, based on everything I've already done. Do what I've asked you to do today, and then have the faith that I'll do what I said tomorrow. See, watch, watch this. I don't have to have faith to trust the past. He's already gotten me through that. He's already gotten me through that. All of what's happened in the past culminates into what I'm going to do today. And faith gets me to believe that he will keep his end tomorrow. So here's why this is so important. The band's going to come up. We're going to end with this. This is why this is so important, because for the first time, for the first time in the New Testament, we find out that the disciples are now permanently, as far as physical presence by themselves. Did you hear me? This is the first window into what our lives look like, because everything in the gospels before this was Jesus walking around with the disciples. And we're like, well, if Jesus was walking around with us, I believe him too. Anybody ever thought that? Well, Lord, if you just come down here, show up for 30 seconds and touch somebody for me, I'll believe the rest of my life. Now the disciples are having to trust God because he said he'd be with them, but not physically. <laughs> Do you remember what he told Thomas? Man, it's good that you believe because you saw me. What about all the people who won't see me and believe? He's talking about us He's talking about us This is the first window The beginning of Acts Is the first window Jesus has ascended Into heaven Now the disciples Have to Have to now Do what's necessary today Without him physically being there Oh man What do they got to go on He's not there anymore He's not physically with him. He says, I'm going to promise you power. I'm going to promise you the Holy Spirit. And, and he told him, I'll, I'll be with you to the end, of, the end of the whole thing. And then he floats away. And we see their response. Even though he's not here, there's enough history. Come on, church. This is more important when he's not physically here than when he is. Amen. Because when we get to the end of this whole thing and we can lay eyes on him, you won't need an ounce of faith at that moment. It'll all become crystal clear. You won't be looking through a glass dimly anymore. You'll see everything for the way he designed you to see it. But now we don't get the ability, we don't get the privilege to do that. We have to operate by faith. You are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, the Bible says. So here's the deal. He said, there's enough history with me that you can believe even though I'm not physically with you. Amen. There's enough history that even though I'm not physically here walking the earth, healing, raising the dead, healing the sick, teaching, even though. And you see the disciples go, hey, you know what? He's not here, but this is what he told us to do. And there's enough back there for us to trust everything he said. And they stayed 10 days. Amen. They stayed 10 days. And an event happened to change the world forever. Nope, Jesus wasn't there physically. But the reputation he had left with them gave them enough confidence, that they'll, we'll stay in this upper room until something happens. And it did. From that day forward, the gospel saturated the planet. So when I ask you this question. Stand to your feet. We're about ready to wrap this up. What is he asking you to do today? What is he asking you to endure today? What is he asking you not to give up on today? And even though he's not physically here, there's enough evidence in our history to know, listen, if he's asked me to stay in this marriage, if he's asked me to stay in this job, if he's asked me to keep believing in my kids, if he's asked me to, to keep to keep working on it, then I can do that until the next thing happens. I don't know when it's gonna be. He said, in a, in a while, it's just whenever here's what he's asked me to do. Whatever today is, that's what he's asked. And there's enough to go on to just get up today and do that. And then get up tomorrow and do that. Then get up tomorrow and do it again. And get up tomorrow and do it again. And before you know it, you're going to wake up one day and his promise will be true in your life. Amen? His promise will be true in your life. He keeps his word every time. Amen? Come on, lift your voice. Sing this out.